0: Welcome into Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays wherever you may be across this great nation or around the world uh, as the case may be uh, as more and more people are traveling. Last night, apologies, no live show for House of the Dragon. I thought it was fantastic. My review of the episode is up on OutKick for those of you who are interested, as is my starting 11, uh, all about the college football weekend that was. Want to mention that we had a really good gambling weekend in college football. The OutKick picks went 6-4, and which is good. But it pales into comparison to the 5-0 and on the OutKick six-pack for the NFL. 5 and one to be exact. We pushed on the Steelers going up against the Patriots. Every other game we won, if you played a five-game parlay or a six-game parlay, uh, I hope that you appreciate and respect the picks. Always fun to have fantastic weekends of gambling. Uh, we have got a lot to dive into right off the top. I am incredibly nervous about this, uh, but I will be in Knoxville for the Florida-Tennessee game. That, by the way, is not what I am incredibly nervous about. What I am incredibly nervous about is the fact that my beloved University of Tennessee volunteers are now out to a crazy 11-point uh, favorite over the Florida Gators. That is the biggest favorite that the University of Tennessee has been over the Florida Gators, to my knowledge, in my life. Certainly uh, in my adult life. But I think it's the biggest favorite Tennessee's ever been over Florida in my life, period. Um, And so, uh, fingers crossed, the Vols are rolling right now. Can get to 4-0, finish a perfect September Double-digit favorites. Going to be a 3.30 Eastern CBS game. And I will be live with Big Noon kickoff from uh, 10 to noon Eastern somewhere in Knoxville. We'll do a couple of hits on Big Noon. Thanks to everybody who came up and we met in Auburn. And I'll be on with uh, Fox and Friends earlier in the morning, probably around 9.30 a.m. Eastern So that should be a lot of fun. I appreciate all of you who uh, have already come up. We've been on the road for the past several weeks, uh, scheduled to be on the road all the way up through Thanksgiving. Uh, So thanks to all of you out there who have been supporting us as we roll through with all of these games, festivities, and beyond. All right, Uh, a couple of different things. Right off the top, props to Penn State for the massive win over Auburn. That was a beatdown of epic proportions. Penn State served notice that they can consider themselves to be a legitimate contender in the Big Ten East. We'll see how they do against Michigan on October 15th. Uh, Sean Clifford coming back from a monster hit on the first drive. Uh, There are lots of reasons with that young talent why you should be incredibly optimistic if you are a Penn State and a Lion fan. Penn State... 11-11 over the last 22, but they have gotten a lot better and I have to tell you the play at uh, running back from Singleton as a true freshman, we're talking about legit beast level performance by him on the road against Auburn. So congratulations to Penn State. Uh, October 15th at Michigan we'll get an early contest. I think Penn State will be undefeated at that point and then you've got Both Michigan State and Ohio State coming to Happy Valley. I think you have to put Penn State in the top 10 based on what we've seen. They now have two road Power 5 conference wins. Fortunate against Purdue on the opening uh, Thursday night, I believe it was. Uh, and, uh, And we'll see exactly what happens going forward in that Big Ten East. But Auburn, you don't have a quarterback. And given what we have in the transfer portal right now, Bo Nix was frustrating, I get it, for Auburn fans. Sometimes he would play phenomenally well, other times he was really poor. But at least there was a phenomenally well as a part of his game. I gotta be honest with you. Auburn doesn't appear to have anybody who can throw the football. Now, I think they will beat Mizzou, and I'll get you to my SEC power rankings here shortly, because I think Mizzou is the worst team in the SEC this year, I really do. I think Mizzou is bad. I think Auburn will win that game. They can maybe beat LSU. I think this is a 2-6, and 1-7 in the SEC team. Auburn, in my opinion, they don't have right now an athletic director because they basically fired Alan Green. So I don't know who can make a decision on Brian Harson, but I will be stunned beyond belief based on what we saw on Saturday down on the Plains if Brian Harson is back for year three at Auburn. And if I were Auburn, I would go get somebody who has actual knowledge of the SEC. I don't know if Lane Kiffin would come over from Ole Miss. Remember, Tommy Tuberville did after saying the only way he was going to leave Oxford was in a pine box. Well, he's in the Senate now, doing a good job, by the way, for Alabama. Uh, but Tommy Tuberville, uh, prior to that, left Ole Miss to go to Auburn. I don't know if they could get Lane Kiffin to leave Ole Miss for Auburn. It would be an incredible hire if they could, because I think Lane would do very well at Auburn just out there as a possibility. Obviously, Lane was the uh, offensive coordinator for Alabama, has a lot of contacts all over the state of Alabama. I'm not sure if he'd want to do that. Uh, Hugh Freeze, you want somebody in the SEC who has had success, another former Ole Miss coach. Uh, To me, Hugh Freeze at Liberty lost a tough game against Wake Forest, almost got it done there. Hugh Freeze has found a way to win at Liberty. He's won everywhere he has ever been as a head coach. I feel like that would make sense potentially for Auburn. Those are the guys that I would be focused on if you want a current head coach who has had experience in the SEC. Another one, you could talk to Urban Meyer. Uh, you could talk to Lance Leopold. Uh, you could go after Matt Campbell, try to hire another coach from Iowa State, Gene Chiswick, previous hire. That is at least the conversation that I could see taking place. But to me, Bigger storyline coming out of Penn State Auburn. As good as Penn State looked was how bad Auburn looked. Another big game that took place over the weekend, Miami against AM. AM's just awful on offense. And I think that Jimbo Fisher's team eight and four. Uh, and as a result, as a result, I don't know what the vibe is going to be after five years in college station where you're paying Jimbo Fisher for national championship caliber results. And frankly, other than the COVID year, when I think the Aggies should have been in the playoff, other than the COVID year, you really haven't gotten the full season results. I know last year AM beat Alabama. That was a huge upset. Uh, the tide, I think, have been very wobbly of late. But to me, one of the things you have to consider going forward, Miami was better than AM. They moved the ball better, more uh yardage more first downs, they just couldn't finish in the red zone. And if I'm an am an AM fan, I'm looking around saying, okay, we're 8-4 and four caliber team. Now, maybe you beat Miami, and if they could beat Arkansas this weekend, and we'll talk about Arkansas here in a moment, then maybe there's an argument uh, that they've righted the ship after the loss to App State. But if you saw the way the App State game ended against Troy, App State is not particularly, I don't believe, wildly talented. Congrats to App State on winning on that Hail Mary tip ball. Uh, But that's an ominous loss for Texas A&M going forward given what is to come in the future. I mentioned uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Got the win over Missouri State coached by Bobby Petrino. I jumped the gun a little bit on this one. A lot of people I like at Arkansas. I think they're doing a really good job. In fact, Sam Pittman with Kendall Bryles uh, and also... Uh, with, uh, you know, when you look at the offensive and defensive side of the ball, Sam Pittman reminds me a little bit, a little bit of what Phil Fulmer had when he was rolling, former offensive lineman at Tennessee, Kendall Bryles on offense, Barry Odom on defense, really good coordinators, and you sort of had a figurehead head coach, former offensive lineman who's very likable. Arkansas right now got the win over Missouri State, but I thought for a minute we were going to have one of the all-time revenge game scenarios. I felt like Bobby Petrino, when they were up 10 with about 10 minutes to go, might have been plotting his hop on a motorcycle and ride around Razorback Stadium and uh, and celebrate, maybe even grab a co-ed out of, the, uh, out of the stands, put the neck brace on for the post-game presser. Had epic, unbelievable troll uh, magnitude impact, potentially. But give credit to Arkansas. They buckled down, big plays, closed it out, won by double digits. Uh, And now we're going on the road against Texas A&M. All right. Uh, I'll get to my SEC power rankings and my outkick top 10. uh, But I want to hit now on a few of the results that happened in the NFL. Tua. Did you watch the Dolphins and the Ravens game? The question has been for some time, can Tua make it happen in the NFL? He went for over 450 yards passing and six touchdowns. The Ravens defense had no answer for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And I told you this the minute that the Dolphins offense added Tyreek Hill. I said the combo of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is the single best combo of wide receivers from an explosive perspective that we have seen in modern history in the NFL. And I said, these two guys running together are going to take the tops off a lot of defenses. And that's what they did along with Mike Gasicki, who I think is a very good tight end athletic. One of those touchdowns, even if he did the gritty dance and it wasn't phenomenal, one of those touchdowns, an incredible catch that very few tight ends in the NFL can make. Those are three big time explosive playmakers. Uh, And Tua is learning what he learned at Alabama, which is get his guys the ball in space and let them make plays. And, what happened in that game would be very ominous to me if I'm a Ravens fan because Lamar Jackson played phenomenally well. No way you should lose at home, in my opinion, when you score 38 points or whatever the heck they did. They did lose, uh, and they gave up a 21-point fourth-quarter lead. Dolphins now sitting at 2-0. and Mike McDaniel looking like a stud early on, and I thought it was one of the most exhilarating, fun games that I've seen in the NFL in a long time. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. Also, how about Joe Flacco bringing the Jets back for two touchdowns inside the final two minutes? I'm sorry, Browns fans, to have this game get yanked right out of your possession. You were staring at 2-0. Instead, Joe Flacco comes in. And then you got Cooper Rush leading the Cowboys to a win. Second straight week for Joe Burrow. Last time they played was the Super Bowl. Now the Bengals have lost two straight games against the Steelers and also against uh, the uh, the Cowboys with their backup quarterback, Cooper Rush. Uh, last second field goal, Jerry Jones was exulting. And then it wasn't even the craziest ending of the day in the NFL. The craziest ending of the day, Cardinals-Raiders. The Raiders fans are popping champagne Poppin' bubbly. They are celebrating. I believe they were up 23-7 late in the fourth fourth quarter. Kyler Murray comes in and on the final play of the game, fourth down, scrambles for a touchdown. They then have to go for two. They take a delay of game penalty, move back five yards, and then Kyler Murray drops a dime into the back of the end zone for overtime. Cardinals go on to steal a win from Raider fans who were sitting there in disbelief over what happened to them. The pop in the champagne in the stands, perfect approximation and representation of that failure. And that wasn't even all of the chaos that was playing out. We also, unfortunately, got Trey Lance broken ankle out for the season. The return of Jimmy G, who comes in and the 49ers seem to welcome him with open arms. Seems like they like him, frankly, better than they do Trey Lance, which makes some sense because Jimmy G's been on the team for a long time. And they then go out and fairly dominate the Seattle Seahawks after all the drama in the offseason and the question about where Jimmy G was going to end up. Broken ankle and Trey Lance, right back to being Jimmy G's team. We'll see if Jimmy G can stay healthy uh, in that division as the NFC quarterback position continues to be weakened overall. All right, this story deserves a lot of attention. You're not going to hear very much said about it because the villains here are not your usual villains. After we had Duke volleyball uh, player make up the fake Jussie Smollett racism allegation, nothing happened, nothing racist was taunted against them, BYU All of their fans, the entire Mormon religion, the university was thrown under the bus by the national media. There was zero to substantiate the fact that there were any racial allegations at all. Um, And so that should be talked about as much as the initial allegations were. Of course, it will not be because the vast majority of the media wants for these racial related incidents to be true and accepts them as truth, even if there is no evidence corroborating that they actually ever took place. So during the BYU-Oregon game, BYU fans are taunted by Oregon fans as there is an F the Mormons chant that is on video. Just want you to think about what the reaction would be in the media if anything approaching this happened with a racial or religious minority group being chanted in a football stadium, it would be talked about everywhere. But for some reason, the Mormon faith and the people of BYU and the people of Utah are able to be attacked based on their religion in a way that is unacceptable in virtually any other part of American life. And so this was an actual discriminatory act that happened on video It wasn't made up, unlike the Duke volleyball story. And despite this being the case, despite there being zero corroborating evidence of Duke, the media fell all over themselves to condemn BYU, and a tiny percentage of those same media will even mention the F the Mormons chant that came from uh, Oregon fans. Look, I'm not cancel culture, right? You guys who have watched and listened to this show for a long time know that I believe in the marketplace of ideas. Somebody says something stupid. Somebody does something hypocritical. You should be able to fire back against it. Let's have a larger, more robust conversation about any topic under the sun. But the fact that the sports media is so transparently unfair and hypocritical and dishonest is one reason why we are winning the marketplace of ideas in the world of sports media. OutKick is exploding in size. We are going to have basically triple the audience in September of this month that we had September of last month on the website. We appreciate all of you coming in on a daily basis, checking out everything that we've got going on the website, uh, and all the talented people that we have working there on a day-to-day basis. We are serving the 75 or 80% of sports fans that are not woke imbeciles, and as a result, we are experiencing overwhelming growth. And I just want to mention this, too. Tommy Laren is one of our OutKick employees. She went and spoke at the University of New Mexico. You may have seen these videos. Uh, And there was a protesting group that came in and tried to shut down her speech. And ultimately, they had to call in the police to enable them uh, to uh, escort her out safely. And Keith Olbermann and Rex Chapman, who are two of the dumbest people on the planet, woke idiots, Uh, They have cheered this on and they have said, oh, this is a great thing. We should shut down public speakers on campuses everywhere if they have opinions that are different than the ones that we do now. And they've also attacked Tommy personally, regardless of what you think of anyone's political belief, I will never be in favor of canceling someone who is speaking at a university universities' number one goals should be to teach people how to think and deal with conflicting opinions. You are not and should not agree with every single person that comes to speak on any topic on your university's campus. In fact, if you are actually interested in an education, you should more frequently seek out people you disagree with to go hear them speak than you should people that you agree with. Let me give you an example of this in my own life. I read extensively every single morning and really all day long. But before I go on the Clay and Buck show, I will read the Washington Post. I will read the New York Times. Both of those newspapers are what I would describe as very much left-wing newspapers. Some people say, well, why do you read those newspapers? Because I want to read the editorials. I want to familiarize myself. With arguments that I may or may not agree with. Also, I'll read the Wash uh, the, the Wall Street Journal. I tend to personally agree more with the editorial page of the Wash Wall Street Journal than I do any newspaper out there. But I think it's important to go ahead and put your brain in conflict sometimes with ideas to make sure that your opinions are strengthened by having considered the opinions of someone who disagrees with you. What you see on the left wing in this country on a regular basis is what the Keith Olbermans and Rex Chapman's of the world are cheerleading for, which is if you don't have the same opinion as them, they do not believe you should be able to speak in the American marketplace of ideas. That is fundamentally what dictatorships are in favor of, That is totalitarianism. Ironically, they believe that they are combating Donald Trump by restricting the overall flow of information in this country. What you are seeing happen, honestly, is that the people that are most virulently opposed to Donald Trump are actually adopting more authoritarian tactics than Trump himself ever dreamed of. The FBI raiding a former president. Uh, uh, Joe Biden mandating a COVID shot that did not work. All of these power grabs are actually occurring on the left wing in this country, and they're being cheerleaded because people have decided that Trump is evil. Just remember this. Very rarely throughout the course of human history, in fact, one might even say never, are the people who are in favor of restricting speech on the right side of history. That is Keith Olbermann, That is Rex Chapman. Neither man is very smart to understand where they stand in the historical uh, lineage of thought. In fact, I'm not even sure Rex Chapman can read. He's legitimately an idiot. But Keith Olbermann, at least as a literate person who has probably read a book in his life, should know better than the criticism that he is leavening against Tommy Lahren. He has become everything that he hates. Rex Chapman, just a former felon. He's got no idea what's going on in the world. Uh, House of the Dragon, fantastic. I didn't do a uh, discussion about this uh, because I was out for uh, a eight-year-old birthday party. I put up a fun video of a phone party that my wife put in place for our eight-year-old last night. Uh, but House of the Dragon was fantastic. There is a review of episode five up from me uh, on OutKick right now if you want to go check that out. SEC Power Rankings. 1-14 uh, to 14 right now. Georgia is clearly the best team. But let's start actually with the top 10. I'll give you my top 10. Let me just say this as I get ready to give you my top 10. Reminder. Reminder that I only rank teams based on what we have seen on the field so far. That is not based on what I expect for them to do but based on what they have actually done on the field. The Georgia Bulldogs should be a unanimous overall number one team in college football. No one is even close to as good of a resume so far. Georgia dominated Oregon. They dominated South Carolina. Neither of these uh, should be... uh, Nobody has better wins than Georgia. Not one person should be voting against Georgia. USC, I have as the second best team in college football, Lincoln Riley has gotten to the Trojans, and they are winning big in a rapid fashion. Believe it or not, I've got the Tennessee Volunteers at number three overall. Road win over Pitt, dominant destruction of Ball State and Akron. We'll see what happens with Florida coming to town, but the Vols are out to an 11-point favorite over the Florida Gators, suggestive of them being Tennessee now up to number 11 overall in the polls, but a legitimate top 10 team in year two with Josh Heupel. Need to get that win over the Florida Gators. I'm sure we'll be talking about this some as we do gambling picks. Penn State. I've got the Nittany Lions at number four overall. Road wins against Purdue. Uh, Road win against Auburn. I've got Penn State at number four overall. Michigan Wolverines. Jim Harbaugh's club so far has completely dominated I have got Michigan at the fifth best team in college football. Kentucky Wildcats. Maybe that win over Florida doesn't look as good based on what we've seen in the game uh, against South Florida over the weekend, which was a calamity, a cluster down the stretch. Uh, But I have got Kentucky at number six uh, overall. Ohio State, Buckeye fans might get mad. Didn't look very good against Notre Dame. Notre Dame does not look like a very good football team. Uh, That win is the best one of the year for Ohio State. Uh, I've got them at seven overall. Oklahoma, I've got it eight. Impressive dismantling of Nebraska over the weekend. Washington, this game did not get a lot of attention, but we saw a Washington Husky domination of, uh, of Michigan State, three and oh now uh, for their new head coach, who a lot of us, I'm gonna be honest with you, are not great, uh, greatly knowledgeable about uh, because he is relatively early in his, uh, in his tenure. That's Kalen DeBoer, uh, who is the new head coach at Washington. He's got them at 3-0, and I have the Huskies as the ninth best team in college football. And then Florida State got a nice win on uh, Friday night on the road against Louisville. Florida State now has won against LSU and against Louisville to get Mike Norvell to 3-0 and on the season. That is my outkick national top ten. All right, what about SEC power ranking? Georgia number one overall. I've got Tennessee second, same way that I analyzed this earlier, only based on what we've seen on the field so far. Kentucky Wildcats in the three spot. Alabama Crimson Tide at four. Arkansas, who was fortunate to get past Missouri State at five. I dropped back the Razorbacks. And then I have Ole Miss at six. LSU, congrats, second half. Big win over Mississippi State. That performance surprised me. Nice win for LSU and Brian Kelly. Uh, in the eight spot, I have got Texas A uh, and M, uh, and again, that's based on that loss to App State. In the nine spot, Mississippi State uh, after the loss to uh, to LSU. At ten, the Florida Gators. At eleven, Vanderbilt. Uh, Twelve, South Carolina. Thirteen, I've got Auburn, and fourteenth spot, I have got Missouri. So the way that we break this down um, is, uh, is going to be pretty interesting, but that is my SEC Power Rankings 1-14. Uh, to Tonight, we have double, uh, double Monday Night Football games. Uh, I also have a soccer match to go to for my, uh, my second grader. Uh, but on this, uh, on this breakdown, let me give you my NFL picks. Outkick six-pack on fire. Uh, The Titans are 10-point underdogs against the Bills. Uh, I'd be inclined, I think, to probably take the Titans plus 10 if you have to bet this game, but I don't love the Titans plus 10 here. Uh, And then I would probably take the over 47.5 in this game. I think there'll be a decent amount of points scored. Uh, On the Vikings-Eagles game, I would go with the Vikings as the underdog. I would also take the over 49 and a half in this one. So double Monday night football games. There are my picks. Titans plus the points. Vikings plus the points. Both road underdogs. Both overs would be my plays tonight if you are in the gambling mood. I will have uh, my picks up uh, for week four of college football on Wednesday as I do every single uh, Wednesday all season long. I look forward to seeing a lot of you at the Florida-Tennessee weekend up in Knoxville. Can't wait to be there. Going to take at least one of my kids and uh, hopefully have a good time running around with them. And hopefully, my Tennessee Volunteers will finally beat the Florida Gators. Gators are 16-1 and one against Tennessee in the last 17, which is why Tennessee being an 11-point favorite has me very nervous in this one. Um, and uh, I also... Uh, want to thank all of you, as I said before, for supporting OutKick. September is going to be the biggest and best month in the history of OutKick. Onward, upward, more great things ahead. This has been OutKick, the show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.